Welcome back to another edition of the Return the Picks podcast, where we can start off by just quickly saying nobody won last week. As always, I was really annoyed that the Vikings, who can't get a kicker to save their life, why or why did I bet on the Vikings? And why or why did I bet on the Chargers that can't finish out close games? Cost me a 200 to 1 accumulator last week. Four of six and those fine margins banging me right at the death. So let's forget about last Sunday and focus on football coming up this weekend. Well, let's focus actually on football coming up in the future because I'm delighted to say that, well, I'm delighted to say that Jazz and Dave aren't with me. That's one nice thing because I don't have to deal with their shenanigans all week. And it does mean that I went and found a guest host for the week. Uh, Whitney Holtzman joining me this week. Now a NFL agent to the stars, CEO of Social Victories on the podcast as well. The Energy Captains with fellow good friend Cameron Lynch and just an all-round good person in the NFL world. She's just passed the exam to become an NFL agent. We got talking about that, her plans for the future, a little bit about her fancy team as well, her criteria for both representation and for fancy teams, and a whole lot more. She's a Tampa Bay fan, so I had to pull on the Mike Evans jersey to keep her happy. And uh, yeah, sit back and enjoy the conversation. Over the middle, picked off! It's coming. Pass is picked off. He's going to go looking again, and it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore. Down on the right sideline. Into the end zone, and he's picked off. Back the other way. Uh, Wit, it's great to have you back. Uh, I have dressed up for the occasion after you lambasted me for wearing no Tampa Bay gear whatsoever the last time we spoke. So I am in the Mike Evans jersey and I am very happy to say Whitney Holtzman, NFL agent joining me on the podcast today. That is awesome because I know how long you've been waiting for that as well. And for the longest time, people would say to me, so are you like an agent? And I woke up the morning after I found out, I was like, now I am an agent. As I said to Cam, when he got his MBA, you now have the same degree that the top people in business have. I now have the highest degree you could possibly have or designation that the top representatives in sports and in the NFL have. And so I think, you know, it's just what I've been striving towards. And I took a circuitous path here, but I really think it legitimizes me um, up there with the Drew Rosenhouses. He and I now have the same titles. So I think the sky is the limit in terms of representation. Now, what's better, though? You've got the NFL agent, Monica, and I assume that's being added to every business card and every shirt and every Tattooed everything on my else. Forehead. Yep. <laughs> but what about the because I recently saw on social media that you're going to be working quite closely with a, a somebody that you you quite look up to as as a Florida fan, uh, Tim Tebow as well. Let's uh, let's talk about the association with Mr. Tebow because obviously now he's technically a failed tight end rather than a successful college quarterback, right? Um, he is forever a successful hero. <laughs> uh, I I don't know if you remember those Gator Championships, the I Promise speech, and more than that, character to me is not defined on the football field I mean Jameis Winston has had a hell of a lot more wins than Tim Tebow has had in the NFL and I see them on opposite ends of the spectrum so 
just always admired Tim's care. I mean, the amount of events and funds that he's put towards helping underprivileged people um, and, you know, giving light to all these different communities. And more than that, his time and his heart, he's made a lot of, you know, people who are often, um, you know, cast aside, feel like heroes because he spent the time to shine a light on them and, and make their day. And so to me, that is the ultimate winner. And um, I've always thought that sports is the greatest vehicle for change and to impact lives and the greatest unifier. I mean, that's why I work for RISE, the racial equality nonprofit, no matter your age, your gender, your economic status, um, where, where you came from, what job you have, everyone looks up to athletes in the same way. And so to me, Tim is the ultimate representation of the greatest athlete that could ever exist because of the impact he's able to have on the world. Damn it. And I was coming with the Tim Tebow slander and you just bring back all of the, the positivity and everything that is right with Tim Tebow. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to still focus. Okay. I mean, have, you, have you met me? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I should have expected that the fiery defense was definitely going to come straight out of the bat on that one. Um, yeah. Okay, so I need to explain that Wit is with me today because she's stepping in to join me in, in on the podcast because otherwise I'd have been rambling here on my own for 20 minutes putting out some NFL bets and that would have been kind of about it because Jazz and Dave aren't with us. Jazz is away on holiday and I presume doing very many nefarious things that shouldn't be discussed about in person or anywhere else. And, uh, and Dave is celebrating his birthday today, so a happy birthday to him. And I know he's been eating haggis, which I've just explained to Whitney what haggis is. And it has gone down about as badly as my Tim Tebow uh, harassment, if I'm honest. I just can't believe, well, first of all, that Dave chose sheep intestine over me. Like, I mean... There's not a bigger self-esteem killer than that out there. <laughs> uh, I almost had to go on injured reserve for this podcast after hearing the descript description of what haggis is. I mean, I'm still <laughs> sick to my stomach. It's like intestine inside of casing and mold, dead animal. I mean, it's just one layer on top of the other. And I would have understood if you said, oh, he was out there eating birthday cake or he was at Willy Wonka's chocolate factory or something along those lines. But he literally chose sheep intestine in a casing with some other gross stuff over me. And I, I just, I can't wrap my head around that. Yeah, I think it's probably not going to be the way that you want to seal any new player deals with your agency uh, yeah. by cutting a haggis in half together and sharing the spoils from the haggis. I'm not sure that's going to entice men. Although it is high in protein, good for, uh, you know, getting back the salts after uh, an intensive training session. It may be actually the perfect food for every pro NFL player to digest after a heavy two-a-day session in, uh, in in summer camp. Well, when you told me the name of it before you described it, I said that it sounded like a witch potion. And then after you described it, my suspicions were confirmed. That's exactly what it sounds like. And I would never give it to my clients, nor would I eat it myself. I think that we should use it to torture our prisoners. Like it's up there with waterboarding. Like that's what it sounds like. I mean, it 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 actually sounds like if you you eat it, like it's you're just gonna die from it. Like it's that disgusting and repulsive. And I just I cannot believe like my birthday is my favorite day of the year. You know, I I I go big on my birthday and do all these things I love, and I just can't believe that's how he's choosing to spend his day. Like, is every other activity canceled? 
they, I mean, they're walking around Edinburgh, him and his wife, and they're having a lovely time. And I'm sure they're going to be sampling some nice whiskies, obviously, with the tradition up there and, and going to Edinburgh Castle as well, which is picturesque. But I know that they're going to a very nice restaurant where apparently the best thing on the menu is the haggis. That's the thing you're meant to try. It's meant to be in a beautiful building and everything encasing, I suppose, the meal is delicious in terms of the aesthetics of the building. And then... And then they serve that up on a plate for you. Is yeah. that like your version of a steakhouse? I, I think it's the Scots version. We need to be clear that this is very much a Scottish thing rather than an English thing. So don't hold us all to account as in the full encompassing GB. Haggis is definitely a Scottish thing. I'm not sure that we don't really specialize it in England at all. We'd have like bangers and mash. We, we'd take the pig the awful parts of the pig, put them into a sausage and then have them with mashed potatoes. The Scots will take the worst parts of a sheep, put it inside a stomach lining, boil it, and then serve it with turnips and potatoes. Okay, can you just truly explain to me, how does anyone think that that's good? <laughs> and of all options of foods you could create out there, why that one? Like, I don't, I can't comprehend it because... It sounds like if I went outside and scooped up dirt and then went to the sewer and put that, and then I went to the dumpster and <laughs> added some of that and I put it in a casing and then put it on a plate and was like, it's our nicest restaurant in town. I mean, I think it goes like it goes way back to like 1400s. So we're talking like ye old timey where I'm sure at some point that it was very difficult to get your hands on the desired, you know, I don't think a ribeye was as easily accessible as it is today. You couldn't nip down to, you know, your Whole Foods or whatever and get a really nice cut of of beet or, or pork loin or anything like that. So you got to do what you got to do in the rough times in Scotland. I mean, the Irish had the potato famine and that really didn't work out well for them. So in Scotland, they were like, well, we're not going through any of that sort of stuff. Let's do what we can do with everything we've got. Let's use the last bits of the sheep from the spring harvest, I guess, and put it all together. I mean, I have absolutely no idea, uh, but I can say it's delicious and it is worth a try if you can get your hands on it. There's no way any of those things are true. Um, definitely, <laughs> you're trying to punk me into eating it. This is like a dare, but it's like got to be a big inside joke. Um, and also, I understand if that were the case in the 1400s, but we have made a few advancements since then. It is 2021. <laughs> We do have restaurants like, I mean, Cheetos exist. I just can't believe of all the things that are out there. In fact, you can have your dream meal cooked up and delivered to your doorstep. So I just, I don't understand why we're still eating the only option that exists in the 1400s when we have all this delicious food now. Okay. If I were to say black pudding or haggis, do you know what black pudding is? No. Okay. So black I mean, we have chocolate pudding. No, no. Black, black pudding is a very savory thing that you would have with like an English fry up. It's mainly what? made out of pork fat or beef fat and pork or beef blood and then like oats and barley and cereal and oatmeal and everything just compressed together into like a big sausage and you cut slices off it and then you cook it in a pan and it's mainly just like a blood goo that goes... Every time you describe something, I feel like I'm watching Hocus Pocus. <laughs> That's what everything sounds like. They're mixing a potion in their little house on Halloween to like try and kill the village. This is what we had to do in the Middle Ages to survive, I'm sure. This is how this nation was built. Across, we're on a podcast across the ocean on Zoom. Clearly, we have progressed since then. So why has your food not evolved? 
I mean, we know how to do the nice things. We we stole Indian curries from from uh, the colonies and we brought that back to the UK and we we turned that into something we could have. Bravo! We're now on the same page. But why is Dave not eating that? Up? Yeah. I mean, like I'm saying there are just a, a variety of options, and you're choosing what's probably going to kill him because it sounds like poison. But you know, when in Rome as well. I mean, if you go up to Scotland, that's like the traditional dish so you know when in rome you've got to dip dip your toe in the scottish waters and 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 see what it throws up i just hope that these places have menus and there's like a variety of options otherwise i can never go to scotland because i'm not eating the mauled sheep i'll i'll have the the chicken nugget and chips please thank you very much yeah (laughs) yeah like where's the kids meal (laughs) well i'm I'm just gonna... gonna walk around with like i'm very allergic to mauled sheep mixed with other intestines in a casing and like have that tattooed on me so no one serves me haggis accidentally when I'm in Scotland because that will be the end of it there's no coming back from eating that poison I I am amazed but also kind of not surprised the disgust like and and I know this is obviously going to be an audio-based podcast and everything but this is no joke like the look of disgust on Whitney's face at hearing all of this it's just kind of physically ill from every time I have to talk about what is inside this haggis so let's so let's talk about something that isn't going to make you feel unwell at all let's let's take a a breath and (laughs) and move away uh how are you going to be welcoming people to the i mean what what's the name of the agency going to be i mean there are so many questions that i would like to ask about what it's going to be going forward for you with being an nfl agent that i kind of got too excited about actually just the name (laughs) whitney holtzman nfl agent to be honest thank you me too it never gets old uh my parents walk around the house calling me uh agent 0623 which is my birthday and now anytime any sort of agent is mentioned on tv they're like go get him. I'm like, I'm not an FBI agent. Like there's just this one particular genre <laughs> of representing football players, but everything is staying the same. It's still going to be under social victories because the whole reason that I started this process in the first place was because this was the one thing I couldn't do clients. So, um, you know, for those who aren't familiar at social victories, I help them with traditional marketing, digital marketing, endorsement deals, speaking opportunities, um, helping them figure out life after sports um, and becoming the best versions of themselves. So it basically grew to be anything that they needed in their lives, I would jump in and help with. But the one thing I was not able to help with was their on the field contracts. And I, what sort of set me apart is how much I care about these guys and how much I take care of them and, and treat them like family. Cause that's how I feel about them. And most of their agents um, just weren't doing the same. And it, that's pretty much across the industry because there's not as much money in caring. I just feel it's the right thing to do. And again, how I would treat my own family. And so a lot of the agents do the contracts and then disappear. They have a variety of clients. They just care about the money. And for me, it was much more about, okay, you know, I, I see how some of their representatives are I'm not saying specifically my clients in general, and I would do things differently. Like you only really get one chance to play in the NFL. And once it's over, it's pretty much over unless you're Gronk and you come back, but that doesn't happen to most people. So I really decided that I wanted to give my all to help them prolong their careers. And I would go to the ends of the earth to, um, you know, get them as, you know, contracts that are as fruitful as possible. And I didn't see other people out there um, sort of with the grit and the relentlessness that I would bring to the agent side of things. 
I mean, you're basically describing Jerry Maguire at this point, aren't you? You know, you're it's the small group that you're going to actually really give a damn about as opposed to just moving players on for the sake of a new signing bonus and a new deal right. and, and all that kind of stuff. And to be honest, I think that's the way. Do you think that's the way a lot of NFL players would rather go in terms of you've got the splat? Like, obviously, you know, there, we met Patrick Mahomes' agent, I think it was, uh, before the draft and spoke to him at, uh, at one of the Super Bowls. And and he deals with a lot of, you know, the the big splashy names. I think he's got two Otonga Bailoa on his card as well and things like that. And that would appeal, I think, to, to a certain clientele in the NFL of... I'm going number five. I want a guy that is used to going, uh, dealing with guys that are number five and stuff like that. Whereas for the majority of guys that play in the NFL, as you mentioned, you've got to make the most of it. It's a short career. So you surely you would want, and I'm only saying from what I would imagine I would do if I ever was got into the NFL, which is unfortunately, I think my time is just about gone. But you would want somebody that isn't doing it for the sake of, oh, you're just another name on the list. You would want somebody that has that close personal attention. And anybody that has has heard you on this podcast that follows you on social media knows before you had this this title now of, of an agent that you do give such a damn about all of the people that you represent you know you go above and beyond to be a part of their lives to help them out and to give them the best opportunities they can do you think that's actually something that is al- almost a unique selling point for yourself but also something that a lot of players would desire to have I really hope so I mean it's certainly how I would want to be treated but I also don't have FOMO I always go towards the people that I connect with and who see the world the same way I do. But I can't speak for how the rest of the league is going to receive me. I mean, I know that um, the current clients that I work with, you know, have loved our relationship and they feel a closeness. And I already tried to get Cam Lynch out of retirement, but hasn't worked so far. So maybe you can try and work on him. because I know he would sign me. And the catch is, I mean, to backtrack a little bit, I actually was not eligible to take the agent exam. So here in the US, normally you have to go to law school or business school to be able to take the exam. So there was no test in 2020 because of the pandemic. So if you apply in 2020 and you went to law school or business school, you knew you were taking this exam, which ultimately was administered August 5th of 2021. So you had about a year and a half to study. Well, since I didn't go to law school or business school, I had to petition them to take the exam. So I had to get letters of recommendations from my clients and send contracts that I've done. I found out I could take the test on July 7th, 2021. So everyone else had a year and a half to study. I had just about over three weeks. So it felt like a huge win once I got approved, but then the test was very hard. It's similar to the bar exam. Um, here in the U.S. to be able to become a lawyer. But even that has a 70% or so pass rate. This test this year had about a 35% pass rate. So first I had to petition them. I had to get the letters. I had to get the contracts. I had such a short amount of time to study. So it felt like a complete miracle when I passed. And there are about 800 NFL agents or so, about 30 or fewer than 20 have a client on an NFL roster. So the thing is that in order to continue to stay certified, you have to sign a client every three years. So, you know, when you're, I've never done this and I don't have people around me who have done this. I mean, it's totally uncharted territory. So, you know, I, I didn't come this far just to come this far, but, you know, I guess probably in the beginning you have concerns and I definitely do like, will anyone 
take a leap of faith and, and have me represent them and trust me because the thing is, a lot of the guys I know in the league who are veterans are at the end of their careers. And I think that they, I mean, this was before I became an agent, just in the discussions with them, but they kind of turn to the people who have done this for a million years because they feel like those people are going to get them the most amount of money. It's the, you know, who wants to take a chance on a newbie? I always say everyone wants to be the second person to give you a job. No one ever wants to be the first to take a chance. Mm. So, you know, I feel like so you start recruiting clients October 1st and I I'm on the clock then. And I just pray in the next three years, I'll be able to, to sign a client because I can't imagine making it to this point and then losing it all. Wow. God, I didn't even realize that that was a uh, gee. So the pressure was on with three weeks to prepare for the exam. And now it's like, well, the pressure is right on to geez. Um, I mean, what's. What's the the modus operandi, do you think? How do you, because, I mean, you, you have connections with some of the players, with, with former players as well. You mentioned, of course, Cam Lynch. Obviously, you're you're very well connected with Steve McClendon down in Tampa Bay as well. And and uh, that, that helps, I suppose, as an in to talk to other players, right? And to be involved, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee anything at all in terms of whether anybody's going to have a chat with you, right? Sure. So my clients have definitely recommended me be a word of mouth um, to other players on their teams. And I, that's how my client roster has grown. I have no idea what's going on behind the scenes in terms of um, what they're saying about me and me as an agent, just because they, they can't vouch for that necessarily. Um, and I think uh, the, the best and the worst things are always the most unexpected in life. And uh, you know, I, I, everyone around me has seemed very confident it's going to work out, which is nice to have that reassurance. But I, I don't think I know exactly where it's going to be coming from. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it's not like my clients necessarily will introduce me to the, their teammates and say, okay, you know, meet Whitney and then I sell myself. It's more mm -hmm. so they've already had those conversations like in the locker room or you know, a teammate will bring up branding and, and then they'll recommend me. And so by the time they come to me, they already know a little bit about me and my clients vouch for me. Um, so I necessarily have that direct access. So I don't know if that's how clients are going to come about um, in terms of me representing them, but I've always done things sort of my way and what feels right to me. And since I got certified, I, I actually, you know, put it on LinkedIn. And I think the LinkedIn post has over 51,000 views now. I mean, so that's pretty unbelievable. And, you know, I've been coming on podcasts and just trying as much as possible to share my story. I added it to all of my bios and you really just need one person to be the first to take a chance. And so I'm hopeful that, um, you know, someone will see it and feel like I'm the right fit. You know, Quinian Williams uh, with the Jets, you know, he hired Nicole Lynn and, and that's, he kind of put her on the map. And so I think I sort of need that person to be willing to take a chance. And I'm just not sure who it's going to be or where they're going to come from, but I'm just trying to do as much outreach and do it my way, which is just sharing the news and then hoping. We do know that October 15th, we have the International Player Development Combine taking place at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. 
in between the two London series games. If you can get yourself on a flight and have a chat with NFL UK about coming down to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and checking out some of the European talent, I mean, you're I, you know sports about as well as anybody else. You'll be able to judge these kids better than the scouts that are going to be there for the NFL teams and know who's going to make it and make some, uh, make some, a bit of schmoozing, I believe they call it in the business world. Yeah, no, that's the perfect term. Um, I just assumed that you were going to wear a shirt to the event that says hire Whitney as your agent. Am I wrong about that? I mean, I just, I'm actually I, saving, I'm saving that for the, for the London game broadcast. Oh, okay, perfect. So oh, yeah, whole... you could just announce it to the world when you're, you know, doing your different broadcasts. And it doesn't matter the sport. Like, even when you're talking about soccer, and, you know, because I know you were down in Argentina for a bit. You know, I think there's an easy transition where you could loop it in. So I've just, you know, I think you'll be my PR and that will be great. I mean, I've got a game coming up later on next week. I can say, you know, he's obviously been through some contract troubles with the club recently. I'm sure if he had Whitney Holtzman, NFL agent representing him, he'd have got through those troubles with AC Milan and been able to find a new home somewhere else in Italian football. That rolls off the tongue so easily. And I'll tell you what, you know, I'm always going to be truthful and honest and open. And I think that when you are a white male and you have a ton of clients, you, things come easier to you. I have had to kill myself every step of the way. I mean, you just heard what it took for, it was like climbing Mount Everest to just even be able to have the designation. And if you read my book, I mean, find out how I wrote a story on how much food is consumed at the Super Bowl. I had to do it in no context and I got it done or you know the the Super Bowl um, in Houston where Tom Brady made his comeback I was sold a fake ticket and I ultimately made it into the game in time to watch his comeback I took that video of Brady throwing the trophy so I think the one thing about me is that I will get the job done and I had I've always had to outwork everyone else to just be equal to them and so that's kind of just what's in my DNA and I've been able to get the job done so I really hope that clients will recognize that that's what I will do for them when it comes to their contracts and they will be able to relate to and recognize that grit because they've likely had to do it to get to this point in their career and realize that I'm the right fit to negotiate their contracts. I mean, getting the job done, the story of you getting into even the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay that you told us last time on the podcast, if anybody wants to know about determination, you go back and listen to that and you know that Whitney Holtzman's going to get in where she needs to to get the job done at some point. And uh, and, it, and it all paid off quite quite fantastically for you. And I'm sure, I mean, I think anybody that's met you knows that this is probably going to end up going pretty damn well. And Why do you say that from your perspective as someone who's known me for a few years? Because every time I've met you, you are, and this isn't me like blowing smoke. So I don't, oh yeah, he's just a person who's trying to like suck up to the <laughs> podcast guest or something like that. But so firstly, you're personable, which is Thank massive. You. We wouldn't have stayed in contact if you weren't like it, getting to know you around uh, the first Super Bowl in, in Atlanta where we met was great fun. And, um, and then you're also it's quite clear you're very well organized you know when when we then had the uh the chat in miami and you were like i've got brandon here and here and here but i can squeeze him in here like you knew exactly like his schedule his day-to-day thing and then the genuine emotional investment that you've put in when you've talked about your work with steve and uh and your work with brandon and your work with cameron as well it genuinely shows that you give a damn and i think that 
goes a long way as well. So if you're personable, organized, and you care, those are kind of the three character traits that you want to look for for somebody, particularly, I'd have thought, in representation. Because the moment one of those goes, the whole pyramid collapses, doesn't it? Because if you're not organized, right. they're gonna, you're going to miss out on a, a signing deadline or, or something like that. If you're not personable, you're not going to be able to win and schmooze in, in those business savvy situations. You're not going to make friends in, in and around the industry, which is always useful. I mean, knowing people is the best thing about about getting in anywhere, basically. If you know somebody at Goldman Sachs, you've got a great chance of getting in at Goldman Sachs. And then, um, and then yeah, I think, I think the hard work and giving a damn is at the moment you stop giving a damn about what you do, it becomes a job as opposed to be a, a fulfilling enjoyment. And so, and that, well, I, that for I, me is why. I, I appreciate those kind words so much. You, I'm very lucky to, to have you in my corner as a, as a friend and compadre. Um, you've been an incredible support system. And, you know, I think in these moments when you have doubts, you know, it's your tribe around you that helps you believe that it's possible. So, um, you know, thank you for being that. Cause I think that's what people, you, you lean on your friends when you have those moments where you just kind of throw your hands up in the air to, to make you, you know, believe and to, to keep going and to know that it's possible. And uh, Cam told me he thinks I'm going to be like Rich Paul, which I, who I think is LeBron's agent, because he didn't go to law school or business school either. He just had, uh, you know, the relationships and, and connections. So, you know, that's typical Cam, like just the nicest person. Yeah. But I was saying to him also that, you know, back in the day, whenever that was, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago and before, let's say, it used to be that you could just do the contract as an agent and disappear. And that's all that was necessary. Well, as social media evolved, players to succeed need to have their own brands. I mean, the reason my clients have lasted so long in the NFL is because the people they are and what they've done on the field, but also what they've built off the field, like that's really gotten them national recognition and helped make them names when we're talking about nose tackles and linebackers, mm. you know, not typically the stars of the team. And so, you know, most agents, they go to law school or business school, they do the contract for the player and that's it. But for me, my whole background is marketing and brand building. And then this agent stuff is sort of the icing on the cake. So I'm hopeful there will be some clients out there that appreciate that I can really help them with the marketing side of things and their branding and all of that is built in, in addition to just doing the contract. Yeah, I mean, trust me, I know nothing about things like social media. I'm terrible at it. And generally, I normally dislike the general public. So interacting with them seems like something I'm just not <laughs> there for with social media. So actually having a bit of uh, a bit of knowledge about that, I think, goes a long way. And, and every single athlete as well at the moment, one of the key things is building a personal brand because football doesn't last that long. So while you're in that platform, use that personal brand to A, do something good, and B, to generate a place for yourself to go after football. And you can see that with exactly what Brandon's done, for instance. like When Brandon came on and spoke about everything he was doing off the field with um, financial advisement for players and, and just in general for people kind of sorting out their, their finances in life. You know, I mean, it's for a guy that goes and gets hit in the head every single day, it makes it even more inspiring that he's also able to turn around and produce that sort of content for people as well. And so being able to then market that is just... And yeah, and I mean, he's a professor of financial literacy in the off season. You don't hear that every day in the NFL. And no matter when football ends, he's going to be able to make a seamless transition. And I mean, when I met him, he would tell you that was not the case. And even at the time he was, but he was on injured reserve, he was bouncing around and now he's in his ninth year in the NFL and playing with the... And 
looked at as a leader and a star team. And that's what Brandon can do. But more than that, you know, he does all the stuff off the field because he cares about helping people. I mean, he'll tell you his mom, he realized she didn't have the same access to education in terms of financial literacy that he had. And he wanted to help as many people as possible uh, know the same information that he had learned so that they could make the best decisions for their lives and set themselves up for success. And I mean, that's where my heart is as well. So I would assume somewhere out there, there are some players that, you know, have the same hearts and, and want to make the world a better place and want to do good and, and really want to use this opportunity to play in the league as their platform to their purpose. And, you know, hopefully some way, somehow they'll, they'll find me and feel like I'm the right fit. Now you're going to have any criteria for players. Like, I mean, you see Juju Smith-Schuster, for instance, dancing on TikTok all day. Are you going to be like an agent? It's like, look, if you're a TikToker, I'm out. I'm not dealing with that sort of thing. Or is it, but in all seriousness, is there going to be kind of like, it's about finding the right personality of the player that you want to represent as well, as opposed to like, let's have anybody and everybody and, and, and do what I can kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, to be clear, in my world, you get bonus points if you're doing dances on TikTok okay. and dance floors to be um, a social I mean, media girl. So, like, you're definitely not going to get any strikes for that. Like, in fact, like, you go to the top of the list. Um, and I hope that they can teach me the dance. Um, that will be part of the agreement. But um, I don't work with assholes. Like, hopefully I can say that on your podcast. Yeah, but... no, say whatever you want. Okay, great. Perfect. Um, I don't work with jerks. Um, I your mental well-being is too big of a price to pay and I am my own bouncer so there's no amount of money for me that is work worth working with someone who doesn't treat you well um I I tell my clients this as well but to be happy and successful at the highest levels you have to have zero percent toxicity in your life so something is down your emotional bank account I call it a distraction you have to punt them out of your life and so it doesn't matter how well-known someone is. And the one thing Cam's girlfriend said to me the other day, you really represent all-round good guys. And that is all I care about way more than your status, your name, or your stats. And that's how you're ultimately going to be the most successful. But, um, you know, everyone that I work with, their priority is their family and doing the right thing, like the really nice guys. And, you know, my priority as well is my family. And so it has to be someone who has the same priorities and sees the world the same way I do. Yeah, no, I think that's... Um... It's probably the right way to go about it because then you can care more as well about that you can invest in them because you want to invest in them as opposed to investing in them for the sake of the business right I mean it still maintains a personal attitude towards it yeah and I'll say too I mean I've had a strict rule on my fantasy football team that there are no bad guys on my team and you know I whether I set out for it to be or not I'm a representative of women in this role. Like I said, there are fewer than 20 women basically in the world that have clients on NFL rosters. And I got in not being a lawyer. Nicole Ann, I know who represents Quinnian Williams, but you know, she was a lawyer. Um, I'm not. And so I represent a whole different path. And, you know, no matter what happens with me now, I just hope that I've shown other people and especially women that it's possible to get into this role. And I am not interested in anyone out there who mistreats women like that just won't be a fit for my clientele. That's not something I can stand behind because I have to go to sleep at night and be able to justify every person that I work with. And I mean, my way of branding them and marketing them is because I genuinely care about them. And if I'm not able to do that, then 
it's a waste for me and and it's not going to be feasible for me to move forward with morals in marketing and the nfl this is a revelation i think from <laughs> from whitney holtzman here um i want to get to the serious point then that you've just raised which is your fancy team lineup i mean yes. who who has made the cut for your fancy team this year Okay, I'm gonna just quickly pull up the roster so um, I could redo the list. Uh, Are you wait, 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 let's let's work out first. Are you a ten team or a twelve team league? Uh, we're twelve. Okay, so you're playing real American football, fancy football, nice, yeah. Well, I don't know what the difference. Well, ten ten teams so much easier because you've got few you've got fewer teams to spread around the pool of players. Whereas if you're in a twelve team. Once you get to round like 14, 13, you're really picking up like the niche who's going to be that great slot like receiver. Would, does it seem like I would play the wimpy option? I mean, it doesn't. I didn't want to, okay. but I just wanted to, I just wanted to check, you know. I just okay. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about the lineup now. Tom Brady's my quarterback, five touchdowns last week. No sweat. No sweat. No sweat. And actually I had drafted Josh Allen as my first quarterback. But I just felt like in the opening game, like Super Bowl banners that Tom Brady was going to have a bigger week. And I haven't put him on the bench since. I mean, he continues to prove us all wrong. And not that I ever doubted him. I just, he, he was the secondary quarterback. And I thought maybe I'll switch him out. But he's a starter until proven otherwise. And I, I don't think that will happen knowing him. <laughs> so he's, you know, he's in our league quarterbacks get a lot of points. And so... I think that, um, you know, he continues to push me over the edge each week. And, you know, he, he he's a star player on my roster. So even though I drafted him second, that was like a, re- a really valuable pickup. I actually have um, Corderell Patterson, who's on the Falcons, mm-hmm. the running back. And I grabbed him off of waivers after week one because I was watching week one Falcons game to look for Brandon. And, uh, you know, I, I just kept hearing his name over and over and luckily well I lost the first week in fantasy so I had a high waiver order and I grabbed him and put in uh you know an offer for him but I was I was glad to to grab him then I have Devontae Adams uh Green Bay you know Aaron Rodgers shit the bed week one but week two he made a comeback you asked me about Juju of course he's on my roster more yep, for his than his TikTok dances but again <laughs> added bonus I'm someone, obviously, why I'm excited about working with Tim, I, I went to Florida. So I'm like SEC heavy. I watch the games. Like I'm very invested in the SEC. So I watched Devonta Smith um, a lot last year. And, you know, I mean, he's the reigning Heisman winner. And the SEC is just better than any other American college football. So I knew he was going to be a big deal. And he was available in like the sixth or seventh round of my league. So to me, that was a steal. Again, because I'm such a Gator fan, had to grab Kyle Pitts he was just a superhero in all the Gator games so that was a no-brainer he hasn't like really caught fire but the the Falcons you know are own too so hopefully that you know he'll you know as the season goes along um I have the the Bucks defense who obviously uh, two pick sixes that (laughs) that went okay and it's fun for me to watch my team and also have them on my fantasy roster because it's like double cheering uh, and then I have Harrison Buttkerf, the kicker for the Chiefs. Um, and my favorite fact about him is that his Twitter handle is Buttkicker. Nice. Yeah. You've got to find those. With kickers, you've got to find something that you really like about the kicker to really have a drive yeah. to bring them in. Uh, well, I actually, uh, between you and me and now everyone listening to this podcast, I don't know what will happen, but I do have a meeting next week in Atlanta with Young Waiku, 
who's the kicker for the Falcons and Brandon introduced me to him. And um, so we're just getting together to chat, but he was the high score in the NFL last year. So that just shows the difference that kickers can make. So I'm like, I'm not a like draft a kicker in the 16th round. I'm like draft the kicker in like, you know, the 11th round, because I think a good kicker can make your team. I mean, I assume this is the lead off in the selling pitch to Young Way Koo when you uh, meet up with him next week. That's the first thing you've got to come out with. Well, look, you're an 11th round pick in fantasy to me, Young Way. Yeah, let's talk. Right, because you know, you know how much guys in the NFL love hearing about uh, their fantasy teams. Do they not? Do they not like? I mean, no, no, no. so weird. What happens? What happens (laughs) is people come up to them or you know tweet at them online and say something along the lines of you know, screw you. Like I lost in fantasy and they're like, well, yeah, I broke my leg. So that's why I wasn't playing. And so the problem is that people forget they're human beings and that, you know, they're, if, you know, if they're injured, I mean, that is their livelihoods, their bodies and, and people will just react. And imagine if you were super sick and in the hospital and all anyone talked about is how your injury or your illness is going to affect their fantasy roster. Like you're devalued as they hate hearing about it yeah i uh i have i have noticed and, and i've always made a, a a personal point to never bring up in any post-match interviews anything about fancy points unless it's massively in the positive and everything's right. okay then you can bring it up when oh have you thought about like how well you've done for in the last week of this season of course that's going to help a lot of fancy players your results today isn't right. it man yeah well most people you know message them when they're not happy Mm. and so and and for these guys you have to remember it's their whole lives like imagine your entire career you know being a lawyer a doctor a broadcaster was on the line every week and all people are talking about is their fantasy roster instead of your life and you as a human being and you know how frustrating it is that they don't understand the implications of your play every week matters for your whole rest of your life can you feed your family did you you know injure and that means you know your career is over I mean the, the implications are so high that it's hard for these players to hear that you know them as human beings and their bodies and their health doesn't matter it it definitely isn't something to raise to them it definitely is something to brag about to friends and family though when you destroy them each week in fantasy football Agreed. no I like I I have to say there are none of those picks in that team that I am appalled by or anything like that there's nobody that i'd be like oh i dislike them for any reason i mean i love you've gone with smith because obviously like hopefully him and jalen hurts can have some great periods of time for philadelphia in the next few years and i i will say i go through the exact same process of i don't pick assholes or players that play for teams that i don't like so you will never see aside from saquon barkley one year you'll never see a, a giants or a dallas player really in my team so you you kind of i don't want to say punish but if if you don't like a player team you punish the whole team you won't pick or is it that you just as a fan don't like those teams no it's as an eagles fan i definitely can't like dallas or the or the giants um and, th- and there are a couple of other teams i'm not a big fan of just for like you know inane dislike of them like i'm not a huge fan of the panthers that won't stop me taking cmc but it won't necessarily make me think that I want to take Sam Darnold even though I like Sam Darnold which is an interesting one it gets very complicated when you're like well I liked him and I think he got a raw deal at the Jets but I wish he hadn't gone to the Panthers 
Um, I mean, hello, Tom Brady. I mean, he was like, everyone hated him. Then he became a buck and we're all like, you're my God. I mean, I, I, now I said last year in the opening game of the season, Jazz and I were watching it against the Saints. And I said after the first drive, I was like, I find this really weird that I'm rooting for Tom Brady. Like, I've, yeah. I've never done this before. It's very odd. And now I honestly can't get enough of him. Like, I whoever know. is managing his marketing uh, or his social media or anything has nailed it perfectly because he's funny, he's personable, he has a great time. I mean, he's done you a world of favors with the uh, with the throwing the the Lombardi over the boat. I mean, oh. that that video's still popping off. Yeah, I know. My clients called the video "Heard Around the World," but it's interesting <laughs> because when you're talking about the Cowboys and the Giants, I mean, we played the Bucks, played the Cowboys the first week of the season, so automatically they were the enemy whatever this america's team and jerry jones you know mm -hmm. it's all a turn off however i do have so much respect for dak i think he's you know uh an elite quarterback and a really amazing person i mean he overcame the leg injury from last year he lost his brother to suicide and he just seems like one of those really good guys and i think cd lamb is unbelievable talent so while i feel the same way you do those players really stand out to me as anomalies now where do you sit on ezekiel elliott and whether Zeke should be the starting runner back or Tony Pollard at this point in Dallas? Honestly, I think they'll probably switch off care. I would still go with Zeke. I think he's the better talent. But again, when I think about the Cowboys and their brand, it's those two, it's, it's Dak and it's um, CD lamb that stand out as elite. No question. As opposed to Zeke. I mean, I, at one point I thought Zeke had been benched because Pollard was getting all of the yards for them. I mean, he's actually providing down and distance for the Dallas Cowboys at this point. And Zeke is now getting the odd splashy play when everybody's a bit tired on defense or something like that. I mean, it really seems to me that as an actual running back, Zeke is starting to fade really quickly. And Well, that that's the thing is that there's a lot of time in between one, F one NFL season and the next season. And people don't realize that. They hear the name and they think it's going to be the same person out of the gate. We have no idea what that person did in the off season when it comes to training. We had a pandemic, so we don't know how they behave during that time. And the thing is that as, I mean, that's why, well, not for, you know, not for long, uh, that, you know, that's what NFL stands for because your career is so short lived because you just need such explosive talent to be able to be the best year after year. And it's very hard for any human being to maintain that. And I will say, I remember this when I was talking to my clients about their contracts every year. I mean, you have the draft. So every single year you have whatever it is, how many hundreds of new people coming into the league that are your direct competition. So one year you could be the best, the next year you may not have a job. I mean, I was talking to Brandon about uh, one of his friends and, you know, a, a player I know pretty well. He was, he's been the captain on two NFL teams. He's sitting at home this off season without a job, like neither he nor I understand that. So I think that you just, you each season is just a new ball game. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I don't really understand how you could go through that in terms of every single year. There's a fresh crop of youngsters just waiting, desperate to learn from you, but also to take your job. And so you almost want to teach them, but not teach them. So they don't get all of the uh, all of the information that they need to go into the NFL and succeed. And, and will is the draft now going to change for you as well? This is the last one I want to ask you uh, because I know you've got to get going because you've got another call in like ten minutes. So I don't want to leave you on too long. But does the draft now change for you a little bit? In that, are you watching college football now already and analyzing or or looking at different people, particularly obviously in the SEC and the, and the Florida area right now? 
So this is a huge distinction that I want to make in something that I've learned throughout this whole process. So if you sign a client right out of college, the agent is really responsible for their draft prep. That means, you know, once they're done playing up until the combine, basically. So, you know, it's like that December, January period up until the combine is February and the draft is in April. Um, so anyway, for that amount of time, it's like eight weeks or something, eight to 12 weeks, you are in charge of funding their whole lives. So that's paying for elite trainers, paying for their food, uh, paying for their housing. I mean, it typically runs 25 to $30,000 per client. Um, I've never seen at this moment that amount of money in one place in my lifetime. So I'm sure as hell not giving it to some other human being and hoping for the best. Um, and that's before they even get drafted. So what I'm really hoping is that there are some veterans who, you know, have, have gotten into the league and they realize that having good people by their side is what ultimately leads to longevity. And that, you know, they, there's, there's people that I've encountered that say like, you know, my agent is a jerk or whatever it might be. Their agent isn't treating them super well and they're sick of it and they want someone who will go to bat for them. And they feel like, you know, they're not getting or maybe it's that they're a huge feel their agent is really looking out for their best interests. So I'm hoping to find that group of people as much as I'd love to sign people out of college. I mean, it's just an expensive investment and maybe down the road when I have a hundred clients, I'll be like, great, now I can do that. But certainly not at the moment. I mean, when you have a hundred clients, you won't be coming on an evening or afternoon in Tampa Skype call with myself, I'm sure. And we won't have the time. Uh, heck yes, I will. <laughs> this is always a priority talking to you. You'll always be in the mix. It's I very... just hope I have, I just hope I have clients to talk about when I come on. I mean, honestly, and I, I think I speak for anybody that's listening and, and both Dave and Jazz as well. I genuinely like to kind of follow this journey. I mean, I always stay in contact with you anyway, throughout everything that you do. Cause I mean, it's, it's just great fun staying in contact with you, to be honest with But I, I'm really interested to kind of follow this journey of how everything goes, because it's such a, a fascinating insight into a part of the, the NFL world that is A, gonna, is so different to what we normally see, and B, is from the sound of it, it's going to be treated quite uniquely to some extent compared to how the rest of the agent vibe kind of goes. And so I'm interested to see how it goes, the processes that you go through. And um, yeah, I mean, if Young Way Koo wants to come on next week and do a quick Skype call or anything like that, you know, you can just put us in contact. I'll let you know when I'm with him if, if he's interested. <laughs> but um, uh, I'm just as interested in you are as to see how this goes. We're kind of on the roller coaster ride together because it's still TBD for me as well. Um, but my goal throughout this has been, I've always seen my business similar to what I tell my athletes as my platform to my purpose. And to me, my purpose is sort of teaching people and, and help helping them make their lives better. And you do that by imparting the knowledge that you've learned. And that's what my book is basically. And so as I've gone about this process, I feel like typical agents, you just hear of them as, okay, they did the contract. This is the agent. They're millionaires, blah, blah, blah. I clearly am in no way in the position that they're in. I don't look like that. I'm not the same age. And so I, I wanted to tell why I petitioned the NFLPA to be able to take the test so people know that's an option because I didn't before I started. And maybe that will give someone else, you know, the hope that they could be in this position as well and that they could be an agent and, and didn't even know it. And so I want to be very transparent. So like just as an example, right when you're certified in order to be official, it wasn't just climbing the mountain of passing that test. You, I had to spend uh, $1,400 on liability insurance um, and that's every year. 
um, and they designate a representative they recommend, and it's just not worth the headache of going to find someone else. And if you have between zero and nine clients, you have to pay $1,500 a year to the NFLPA just to, uh, it's their annual fee. So that's three grand before I've ever done anything. So you really have to save up money before you even embark on this process. And then when I applied, there was a $2,500 application fee. So every step of the way, it's just oh been like, God. all right, I'm going to put my savings in and, and hope <laughs> the best. And I really had to make a lot of sacrifice. So let hope it works out. Well, look, wait, I know you're going to go for bat, uh, go to bat, sorry, for your, uh, for all of your clients that you have at the moment and that you will have in the future as well. Uh, and to be honest, down in Tampa, they could do with somebody that's a decent batter to finally win that World Series. So, uh. yeah, I mean, I think that that's probably next time. You know, now that this is out of the way, it's like I've got some free time on my hands. So yeah, just... the off season's the off season, right? I mean, you can sign contracts and deal with negotiations in between innings. There's a lot of time on the right. benches in baseball. So yeah, I think that's that's great. They have re- I, really good food too, and I like to you know have some good food while I'm making big life decisions. So I think that that makes total sense. And a bit of chewing tobacco in the lip as well, you know, and a spittoon. Uh, no, I don't do, I don't do that. No, drugs. no, fair enough. <laughs> and I mean, I'm not interested in rotting my teeth, maybe with your sheep's potion, but that's what that does. But uh, yeah, no, no, thank you to the chewing tobacco. Got to love a conversation that goes full circle Wit, Thanks so much for being on the podcast, mate. Really appreciate it. The circle of life, of course. Great talking to you as always. <laughs> Big thanks to Whitney Holtzman, as always, for having a chat with us on the show. Of course, CEO of Social Victories. You can follow her on Twitter at W Holtzman. That's at W Holtzman. Just an all-round good character in the world of American football. Right, let's get in some bets very quickly before we go. Jazz has given me his six-team accumulator for the weekend. The Panthers at minus eight over the Texans. The Falcons to beat the Giants. The Saints to beat the Patriots, the Raiders at minus four against the Dolphins, the Seahawks at minus 1.5 against the Vikings, and the Packers to beat the 49ers. Gives him a grand total of about 91 to 1. So big money coming Jazz's way if that comes off. I've gone a little more reserved than I was last weekend, but still getting a little punchy with the with the Titans to beat the Colts, the Washington football team, to beat the Bills, the Chiefs to beat the Chargers, because they banged me last week, the Rams to beat the Buccaneers, which I didn't mention to Whitney, and probably a good job that I didn't, the Seahawks to beat the Vikings, and the Falcons to beat the Giants. Yes, I'm betting on the Atlanta Falcons. However dumb that is, I really still dislike the Giants even more. That's given me odds of about 85 to 1. Hopefully some good cash money coming somebody's way this week that's it for the podcast big thanks to whitney a big thanks for listening if you are listening and uh screw you dave and jazz for leaving me here on my own you get to miss out on all the good guests and interesting conversation Uh, until next time take care